Could a UK recession pose global risks? Huge stakes for NVIDIA. Retail sales fall. And will the Fed wait a while to cut rates? Welcome back to the Weekly Money Clip. In a market with millions of podcasts, it is tough to stay on top of the essential business and tech stories beyond headlines. This week, we will be counting down five key moments from last week to give you context for the week ahead. As always, clips are under five minutes from voices you trust, adding context to headlines from the week behind to prepare you for the week ahead. Before we jump in, let's review the week's top headlines. In the past week, global financial markets had serious fluctuations driven by several factors. Concerns over inflation and interest rates continued to weigh on investor sentiment as central banks signaled potential tightening measures to combat rising prices. Stock markets saw mixed performance as investors grappled with these inflation worries alongside corporate earnings reports. The week started with a strong rally fueled by positive earnings surprises from tech giants like Google and Meta. However, gains were tempered later in the week amid lingering inflation fears and uncertainty surrounding geopolitical tensions. Cryptocurrency markets experienced volatility, with Bitcoin having sharp price swings. Regulatory concerns and macroeconomic factors contributed to the uncertainty, leading to choppy trading sessions throughout the week. Commodity markets remained in focus as prices of essential goods like oil and metals continued to surge. Supply chain disruptions, geopolitical tensions, and robust demand fueled the upward trajectory, further exacerbating inflation concerns. Meanwhile, central banks around the world closely monitored economic data and provided guidance on their monetary policy stance. The Federal Reserve hinted at accelerating its tapering of asset purchases and raising interest rates sooner than expected to curb inflation. Similarly, the European Central Bank signaled readiness to adjust its policy measures if inflationary pressures persist. Overall, market participants navigated through a volatile week, characterized by inflation worries, corporate earnings, geopolitical tensions, and central bank actions, underscoring the ongoing uncertainty surrounding the global economic outlook. This week, we welcome Scott Stantis, Michael Lee, Mitch Rochelle, Kenny Polkari, and Josh Hammer to the show. So, let's dive right in. At number five in our countdown, we begin with Scott Stantis addressing the ramifications of a recession in the UK. Scott is an internationally syndicated editorial cartoonist, senior fellow at the Alabama Policy Institute, and co-host of DMZ America podcast. In this segment, Scott discusses some disappointing news from the United Kingdom. The UK's GDP fell by 0.3% in the last quarter, marking a second consecutive quarter of negative growth. This raises concerns about a potential recession. He observes global recessions often start unexpectedly, like we saw with Portugal, Spain, Greece, and Italy. The UK's economy has been under strain since Brexit, and a recession there should come as no surprise. The worry now is how this economic situation will impact the rest of the world. The worldwide economic community may need to isolate the UK's economy to protect others, but only time will tell. What are the ripple effects? Here is Scott's analysis. Hi, I'm Scott Stantis coming to you for Money Clip. Well, bad news from the United Kingdom. Their GDP fell 0.3% this last quarter. This is on top of the last report that saw the GDP fall by 0.1%. And as you already know, recession is defined as two quarters in a row of negative GDP growth. So why should we care here in the United States? Well, 
world recessions tend to start in the darndest places. Remember when Portugal, Spain, Greece, Italy? Yeah, well, hopefully that's not what this is because the UK is a special case. After they voted for Brexit and they extracted themselves from the European Union and their economy is not designed and had been less so over the years to be self-sustaining. So watching the UK slide into recession is really not a surprise. The worrisome part to us here in the United States, in the world, is that this could drag the rest of the world with it. How can we localize it? I think the world economic community has to work to quarantine the UK economy to make sure that it doesn't affect the rest of the world. But that remains to be seen. Just something to keep an eye on. For Money Clip, I'm Scott Stanis. We now continue the countdown with number four. NVIDIA is set to announce its earnings next Wednesday, a moment that carries high stakes. Michael Lee is the founder of Michael Lee Strategy and Markets and Economics Commentator. Here, he shares his opinion ahead of the report next week. In this piece, Michael says artificial intelligence has driven much of this year's market movement, and it is poised to boost productivity for major corporations worldwide. He believes this will trigger a technological investment boom similar to the 90s internet surge. Among the magnificent seven companies positioned to profit, NVIDIA, with its GPUs and services, is the frontrunner. Revenue is expected to soar from $25 billion to over $100 billion. Contrary to common belief, NVIDIA's stock trades at 36 times earnings, not 94 or 95. As the key player in the upcoming technological revolution, NVIDIA is primed to profit. Lee continues by saying, AI currently represents a small portion of global technology spend, but is predicted to increase exponentially over the next few years. The largest corporations dominating the indexes are those best positioned to benefit from this boom. NVIDIA's stock is up 47% year-to-date, and its positive outlook suggests continued growth. Tune in this Wednesday at 4 p.m. EST for the full report. Until then, here is Michael's take. This is Michael Lee from Michael Lee Strategy for Center Clip. Next week, NVIDIA reports their earnings on Wednesday after the close. And this earnings report, you know, the stakes could not be higher. You cannot use a better cliche than it's for all the marbles, the whole enchilada. Much of what's happened in the market this year is driven by artificial intelligence. And before we kind of get to the esoteric things that artificial intelligence can do, um, it's going to be a big productivity jump for a lot of major corporations in the world, meaning it's going to spark a massive technological investment cycle boom in the providers that can offer this a la a lot of the routers and networking companies of the 90s and the internet boom when that came about. And right now, the best names to to profit from that are part of this Magnificent Seven, the Googles, the Microsofts, the Amazons, these big names. And then our most important is NVIDIA. So NVIDIA makes chips or GPUs, graphic processing units, they sell for a ton of money and they have services and software attached and their revenue's gone from $25 billion to what should be over $100 billion this year. Part of the issue with what you hear about in the market is, the, is <laughs> you look on Yahoo Finance, it says it's trading in 94, 95 terms earnings. It's just not true. The stock is going to probably earn close to $50 billion this year at a $1.8 trillion market cap. 
that puts it at 36 times earnings. The historical price to earnings multiple for NVIDIA is between 35 and 40. So you're right in line with where where the stock has historically traded. And uh, when you're the linchpin to the latest technological boom, which could be the biggest one yet. And out of global technology spend, AI represents about a one and a half to 2% market share on its way to 10 or 15 or 20% over the next five to 15 years. Um, look, there's a lot of money to be made. And there are issues in the underlying economy, but the biggest companies that dominate the overall indexes are the ones best positioned to profit from this boom coming in AI. And that's why we've seen the market take off this year, especially the NASDAQ. NVIDIA is up 47% year to date. Uh, so look, the big question is, is how are they going to not so much do in 2024 as 2025? Does this demand sustain itself? And everything we know about artificial intelligence is that of exponential growth, not normalized level growth. So I still think you buy NVIDIA. It's my hope that the market is unimpressed with their earnings and, and it, with a very good report and that I get to buy the stock cheaper. But we'll see. Be watching Wednesday night, 4 p.m. East Coast time, because that is going to determine where the market's going to go. I am Michael Lee for Center Clip. Thank you. Welcome back for number three in our weekly business rundown. Mitch Rochelle discusses the surprising decline in retail sales figures released by the Commerce Department. Mitch is a media commentator, macro strategist, podcaster, public speaker on the economy, real estate, and policy. He can be seen regularly on Fox News, Fox Business, and News Nation. He highlights the significant impact of consumer spending on the U.S. economy and suggests that the decrease in retail spending could be due to factors such as reduced credit availability, financial discipline, stagnant household income, or fallout from holiday shopping. Mitch points out the Federal Reserve aims to slow down the demand side of the economy by raising interest rates, but the availability of consumer credit has enabled consumers to accumulate high-interest credit card debt. This has unintended consequences on businesses' access to capital and can lead to inflationary pressures. Rochelle considers this report as a potential early warning sign of economic troubles in the U.S. and emphasizes the need to closely monitor various economic indicators for signs of a slowing economy. As a reminder, you can hear real-time commentary from Rochelle all throughout the week on centerclip.com. Now, let's join Mitch for his full analysis. Mitch Rochelle with a business topic of the day, if not the week, here on Center Clip. Today, the Commerce Department released retail sales. That's a monthly indicator of how much people are spending in retail establishments. That also includes online retailers. The number surprisingly fell. It fell greater than expected. Uh, economists had expected a 0.2% decline and it ended up being a 0.8% decline. But rather than getting into the weeds on the numbers per se, I wanted to just talk about this from a directional perspective in terms of the U.S. economy. Uh, we've discussed uh, many times uh, here and elsewhere that the consumer, individuals buying stuff, make up about 70% of economic activity. So this is a consumer-led U.S. economy. 
So if consumers are slowing down on retail spending, which is not surprising because we've seen consumer debt, credit card debt in particular, hit an all-time high, uh, about $1.2 trillion worth of credit card debt. So uh, whether it's uh, credit card companies sending bills in the mail, lowering credit available, whether it's just discipline on the part of the consumer, whether it's uh, household income not keeping up with inflation, whether it's uh, Christmas shopping, holiday shopping, hangover, all it translates to is a slowing consumer means a slowing economy. Now, let's remember, this is what the Fed wants. The Fed raises interest rates for the purpose of slowing down the demand side of the economy. A fancy name for it that economists use is demand destruction. Sounds pretty draconian, but that's what the Fed has looked to do. However, the uh, availability of consumer credit in the form of credit cards and other revolving credit facilities has enabled, the right word I'm using there, enabled some bad behavior on the part of the consumers to load up on credit card debt and high interest credit card debt if you don't pay your balance off in full at the end of the month. The demand that the Fed often tries to curtail unintentionally is the business side of the equation because businesses have less access to capital. And when businesses have less access to capital because the credit market has shrunk, the money supply has shrunk, then businesses can't borrow money to fund their operations. And if they can't borrow money to fund their operations, what happens is the supply side of the economy suffers and the supply demand imbalance actually fuels more inflation. But this report could be a little bit of a canary in a coal mine to tell us that there are darker clouds ahead as it relates to the U.S. economy. One report does not a trend make. However, I'm looking closely at this quarter to see if we see other indications of a slowing economy, whether it be jobs, whether it be industrial production, whether it be any of the sentiment surveys that are out there, I'm paying close attention. Mitch Rochelle with a business brief here on CenterClean. At number two this week, we go back to Wednesday for a market snapshot, courtesy of Kenny Polkari, the founder of Case Capital Advisors. Polkari shares his real-time take on several issues. These include the how the CPI exceeded expectations, suggesting fewer rate cuts in the future. Kenny observes this led algorithms to send sell orders, causing stocks and bonds to plummet earlier in the week. Despite some recovery, all sectors experience losses with technology, real estate, and financials hit the hardest. Concerns remain about future bond market demand, and oil prices are rising while gold has declined. He predicts certain economic data won't significantly impact the market, and upcoming speeches from Fed officials will be interesting to watch. Here's the entire moment from Wednesday. Good morning. It is Wednesday, February 14th, and I am Kenny Polkari for Santa Clip. And here is what you need to know. Well, yesterday, the CPI exceeded expectations, which was not good, suggesting fewer, if any, rate cuts in the future. Algos react and become anxious, sending wave after wave of sell orders into the marketplace, and that sends stocks reeling, bonds reeling as well. Services inflation, right, that part of the CPI, that serves, right, the highest in two years, signaling Fed challenges above. Because remember, 
We are a 75% services economy. So this is not what JJ wanted to see. Stock losses accelerated throughout the day, but partially recovered by the end of the day. While still lower, they closed off their lows. Every sector suffering losses. Technology, real estate, and financials getting hit the hardest. Small and mid-caps also down significantly. Contrary trades such as the inverse ETFs, think the SH, the PSQ, and the DOG, all saw gains amid this market downturn. The VIXI, the fear index ETF, the VIXY, surged by 13% at one point before settling up the day with a 7% gain. Concerns remain over the future bond market demand, right? As the Fed plans a massive $2.7 trillion debt issuance in 2024 alone. Never mind what we need in 2025 and 2026. So the question now is, what will demand be like? What will buyers be willing to pay? They've been lower, yields go higher, and that will present challenges for stocks in the future. Oil prices rise on, OP on the OPEC forecast and some new geopolitical concerns. This morning is trading at $78. I think preparing, getting ready to kiss 80 Gold declines as those rate expectations faded. I told you that. Plunging through all trend line supports, taking it right down to gold 2000. Do not be surprised to see gold test 1975 before this is over. As expected, the dollar strengthened. Of course it did. They're not cutting rates. And it busted right up and through resistance with 106 now in the bullseye. So 104.29 becomes support. That was resistance. It's now support. 106 is now the target. Today's economic data includes nothing other than mortgage apps and PPI revisions. Neither one do I think is going to be enough to really move the market. Fed uh, moved the market because of that. The market will move because of the action yesterday, not because of the economic data. That's what I meant. Fed officials are getting ready to speak out today, right? This post a CPI release. What will these guys say about the CPI report and then how that might affect Fed think. I don't think it does because I think the Fed's been very clear. They're going to stay on hold. I think that's going to be the message. Market reactions are still unfolding. And they're going to anxiously await the comments specifically by Austin Goolsby. Futures are showing an early rebound after yesterday's losses. That should not be a surprise, right? But I'm still advising that you be cautious ahead because I don't think this was one and done. European markets have rebounded after yesterday's losses. UK inflation data is what's in focus. More central bank officials from around the world to speak in the coming days, right? ECB speeches uh, are going to happen across Europe. This market repricing was expected. If you were surprised by this, then you haven't been paying attention. Trees do not grow to the sky. What were you thinking? All the more reason to have a plan and then execute on it. Call me to discuss. I'm always happy to talk to you. Until tomorrow, take good care. To round out our countdown this week, Josh Hammer discusses a hot CPI number and what might be around the corner. Josh is the Newsweek opinion editor, the Josh Hammer Show host, syndicated columnist, and Edmund Burke Foundation research fellow. In a surprising turn of events, the Consumer Price Index, CPI, also known as the Inflation Index, is now higher than anticipated. Josh says this indicates the Federal Reserve will not be reducing rates during their next meeting, contradicting previous expectations. The assumption that inflation would decrease more than it actually has means that we are still far from the peaks seen in the summer of 2022. 
CPI reached a staggering 9.1% annualized rate in mid-2022, the highest in 40 years since Jimmy Carter's presidency. Hammer says, unfortunately, this news is disadvantageous for prospective homeowners, especially for millennials and Generation Z who are lagging in homeownership compared to previous generations. Unless rates start declining, this disparity is unlikely to improve, causing concern for many, including Hammer, as a newly wed looking to buy a home. Here is the segment from Josh. CPI, the inflation index, coming in a lot hotter than expected. All signs are now pointing towards the Federal Reserve not not cutting rates at their next upcoming meeting. A lot to say about that. It looked like inflation was going to be coming down a bit more than it was. Obviously, we are still a very long way from the summer of 2022 highs. It was the summer of 2022 around June or July of that year when the CPI index reached 9.1% on an annualized basis. I think that was the highest. That also was the highest, of course, that it had been in roughly 40 years since the Jimmy Carter era of stagflation. But still, the news that CPI is coming in a little hotter than expected and the Fed is not going to be expected anytime soon to cut rates. Big dagger, certainly, for those of us who are not yet homeowners who are hoping to get a home. You know, as it currently stands, the millennial generation and Gen Z as well are chronically, are chronically behind their previous generations, are chronically behind the boomers, are chronically behind Gen X when it comes to rates of home ownership at an equivalent age. And unfortunately, unless rates start to come down, that trend is not going to get any better. So that's really my biggest takeaway right now as someone who is newly married, got married in December and like many others in my generation, looking to formally go ahead and purchase a home for the first time. Not great news, unfortunately, when it comes to this latest CPI inflation measure, which again, does indicate that the Federal Reserve is not going to cut interest rates anytime soon. We'll have to hold it there. Please remember this episode presents the personal opinions of these individuals and should not be viewed as investment advice. Thank you to Scott Stantis, Michael Lee, Mitch Rochelle, Kenny Polkari, and Josh Hammer. For their work and more in real time, please visit centerclip.com. One topic at a time, leaders on both sides, always under five minutes. That is elevating discourse. Again, centerclip.com for more throughout the week. We'll be back next week. This has been the Weekly Money Clip. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.